heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Nine, uh, num- numbered after the newly retired Josh Hill, former Saint, former Detroit Lion, for a cup of coffee. But here to break down not only the New Orleans Saints draft, but some other NFL news and notes is Matt Dats, who Matt Beast. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. It's been a little bit of a long time since you've been on. Yeah, it's been a minute. I like how you did the segue there with the Josh Hill. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one, but uh, it's good to be back and uh, ready to talk some more football. Uh, got the schedule coming out on Wednesday like you talked to me earlier about, and uh, it's going to be an interesting time. I'm ready to see what it's, what it's looking like. Yeah, exactly, because like, now is like kind of that I, – like I always say, the NFL is like a 12-month a league like – 12, like 12 months a year league, but I feel like – now to pretty much training camp like sure there's like OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that but there's no real big news like story unless something crazy is bound to happen like I remember your first appearance was when Jamal Adams got traded so unless we get like an Aaron Rodgers trade sometime in the next couple months I think it's gonna be kind of like the slower news period for the National Football League if you will yeah pretty much if you're a fan of any team right now this is the time of the year where you don't want that much news because most of the time any news around now is normally oh someone got arrested for a dui or oh someone got hurt doing this so yeah definitely a time of the year where you don't want as much news unless like a crazy trade happens in favor of your team your star tight end may have murdered somebody and is under arrest right now exactly <laughs> shout out Aaron hernandez RIP. But um, yeah, you're 100% right, though. I, I never thought of it like that. If your team's in the news in the early, not in the middle of spring to basically before July, let's call it 25th, you don't mm-hmm. want it. Like, that's just, you don't want it. If it's basically right now is the time of year where it's like, you know what? No news is good news. Exactly. That's how I look at it. Exactly. But um, anyway, just as we were coming off the draft, I wanted to ask you because I know a lot of Saints fans were kind of skeptical on the pick of Peyton Turner out of Houston. I've seen some stuff and heard some stuff on him. I'm not overly, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good player in the league. I just feel like if he doesn't perform to what a first round standard is, he's going to get flack. But if he still comes in and does his job, I feel like you Saints fans may fall in love with him, but it may be hard to grasp around the national media. Yeah, it's really hard to grasp for the national media, especially because they had this guy graded. Some people had him going in like the third round, late second rounds. There was apparently talk of another team trying to get him late in, or early into the second day. So I guess that's why Sean Payton wanted to go and get his guy. Um, from the little bit I've watched on him and the little bit I've heard of him, um, I'm not too excited about the pick right now because I have him sketched in as a rotational edge piece because we still have Marcus to first Davenport on the team. So uh, we still got to wait and see. We picked up the fifth year option on him. So he's definitely still going to be the starter opposite of Cam Jordan, of course. But I mean, I was mainly disappointed in the pick because I really wanted a cornerback, but the Saints were reportedly wanting to move up. But apparently the asking price was too much for a J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain. 
So we end up staying put. All the corners were gone at that point. So we ended up taking Peyton Turner, which I mean, defensive end is definitely something of a need. Trey Hendrickson left and he had a breakout year last year. He was ranked really highly in the league in sacks, which is very surprising. Um, and he went and got his payday. So shout out to him for going to do that. I don't know how that's going to pan out for him. Um, I don't think it's going to go too well, honestly. But um, we draft this guy and Peyton Turner. He seems um, the Saints, their draft philosophy, it seems this year, they were really worried about clean medicals and high RAS scores or relative athletic score. Um, and if they bounced off the charts, then, oh, we're probably going to look into this guy. And apparently Peyton Turner had a really high RAS score. So I guess we'll just see how it goes. Hopefully it turns into something good. You know what, if your scouting department falls in love with someone, I have the philosophy of don't doubt them. Uh, that's why I, personally, I came out and just going to another pick. I love the Pete War- the Warner pick for you, especially with the uh, departure of Quan Alexander. I feel like he's someone who could come in right away and be that second-round value linebacker who's going to come in and just cause havoc. I'm almost trying to remember, was he second-rounder or was he third? He was the second-round pick. Second and round pick. and I, I definitely see that because I have him kind of slotted in as starting uh, opposite of Demario Davis, of course, because um, our linebacker core has definitely gotten weaker. We had we traded for Quan Alexander last year. We drafted Zach Bond, and then we also had Alex Anzalone on the squad. And Alex Anzalone eventually um, lost his job to Quan. Quan got hurt. Alex Anzalone came back in, and there's definitely a drop off in talent. Um, I don't think Pete Werner is going to be this amazing starting linebacker, but I think he's going to be good enough. I think he can be better than Anzalone, and that would definitely be an upgrade. So we will definitely take that if that's the case. But currently I have him slotted to start, which has me worried about the Zach Bond pick from last year because he was traditionally really good at rushing the passer. But the Saints wanted to make him a linebacker. And the Saints really don't use three linebackers. They normally have two linebackers on the field at any time. Um, so, I mean, I would like to see them mainly transition Zach Bond back to a pass rusher, but I'm guessing he's just going to stick at linebacker and him and Peyton Werner are going to compete for that starting job. But I expect Peyton Werner to win it win it over in the end. Yeah, exactly. Wait, even too, when I say, like, I, I like Pete Werner, I expect him to start. I'm not coming in and saying he's going to be this guy who's going to come in and – the stat, the acronym I like to use is FSU. Fuck shit up. I don't think he's going to be that. I think he, <laughs> you know what, come in, perform well behind Davis, because when you still think about it at the end of the day, Demario Davis is the anchor for that linebacker core. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, you mentioned Quan Alexander. I still think he's unsigned. I feel like he'll either randomly pop up to uh, like some team, or you know what, maybe the Saints bring him back right before training camp, so we'll see. But Anzalone obviously walked with Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn to Detroit, so... I think he kind of knows, hey, look, he may be on a bit of a more mediocre team, but he'll start. That's why he went there. But even the Saints, the Saints are a very tricky team because even to like, I like the Paulson Adobo pick out of Stanford just because like the, we know that the Saints were kind of hurting in the secondary after losing uh, Jenkins to Tennessee. But the Ian Book pick is one that really had me scratching my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a weird pick because in the fourth round, you're typically not really going to find a quarterback that's going to do any good for you. And currently, I honestly don't even think he might even make the roster at this point. It might be a practice squad type situation if we can get him to the practice squad. 
Because I don't think he can even beat out Trevor Simeon for the third spot on the roster because the Saints typically carry three quarterbacks now since Taysom Hill is actually used not just as a quarterback. Unless Taysom Hill wins the starting job, then we'd probably carry two quarterbacks. But, I mean, if the Saints like him, so be it. It's kind of weird because Drew Brees left to go commentate Notre Dame football. Then we have the Notre Dame football starter coming in. Um. I guess there's been crazy shit happen with some quarterbacks going in late rounds. Like, for instance, if you go back way back in the day, and I'm not trying to defend the Ian Book pick at all, but if you go back in the day and you probably look at draft analysts talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots selecting him in the sixth round, oh, he's probably not going to do much. And then you end up having one of the great, or arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So, I mean, you just never know how that shit can happen. I'm not going to say Ian Book's going to be that, but, I mean, at this point, if you don't have your starting quarterback, take all the shots you can to try and find that franchise starting quarterback. Do you think it's Taysom or Jameis? Uh, Right now, I would have to say it's Jameis, um, just because I think that Jameis' ceiling is much higher and if Taysom does win the starting job, that says a lot about Jameis Winston and where he's at in his career um, and what he's going to be in the future. Because, I mean, he's younger. He has the draft capital. He was the number one pick. Um, he's actually gone out there and put up numbers. And, I mean, looking at Taysom Hill's starting resume, he's beaten the Falcons twice. He's had a really bad game against the Eagles, and he beat a Denver Broncos team that literally did not have a quarterback on the field. It was a wide receiver playing quarterback, and it was just it, – it was a terrible game to watch. I mean, I tell you, but it was it, it was very comforting in the fact that the Saints were easily winning that game, but Taysom Hill did not have a good game that day. Yeah, my, my, my thing with you guys right now is kind of like what we are with with Cam, where – you know, he can come in and start, but then we're a little different with the Mac Jones. I think you guys are like us, like what we were going into 2020, how you have Jameis is kind of on this one-year prove-it deal. Um, the one thing I was going to say, too, is I was surprised how emotional he was after the with the Breeze press conference. But going back to him, I feel like it's a one-year deal so that next year, say if Jameis doesn't pan out and you guys have a pick that's like, you know, 15 to 20, next year is the kind of year where you can get a quarterback there. I know next year's quarterback class, a lot of people are writing off, but... There's some guys that are going to be coming out of college who can throw the ball and some guys who have good football IQ. It's just you're not getting that big superstar factor that was this year with guys like, obviously, Lawrence Fields and Wilson and Lance. And we'll see with my newfound love, Mac Jones. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I agree. That's one reason why I was so happy the Saints did not trade their pick because, I mean, at, at this juncture, with all the depth that we've lost... And the fact that there's no longer Drew Brees on the team. When Drew Brees was on the team, we would not finish uh, worse than seven and nine, no matter what. That was our ceiling. That was our floor. Um, And of course, our ceiling was much higher. But now our ceiling is probably a little lower. And our floor is also very much lower. If an injury happens to like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, we would be screwed on offense. And I think our defense is I'm kind of worried about it in some aspects, especially talking about with the Paulson and Diva pick that you mentioned earlier. 
He's probably slotted in to be the starter opposite of Marshawn Lattimore right now since Janoris Jenkins is gone. He's going to be competing with Patrick Robinson for that second cornerback spot. And, I mean, I'm not really too thrilled about either player starting right now. Um, Paulson Adebo does look like he's a ball hawk, and he might have the ability to be able to go, come into our system. But it's just something you got to wait and see. I mean... I will give credit to the Saints. They made it work for a couple years, and we still ended up being like 13-3, and 11-5, with guys like Corey White and guys like um, Ken Crawley and guys like Eli Apple. So, I mean, they can make it work with subpar corners. It's just I, I, I feel much more comfortable if we had a solid veteran there like maybe a richard sherman he's still available out there but um it sounds like he's going to resign with the 49ers yeah, which that doesn't that really does not make much sense to me him going back to san francisco just because i'm just like man he is just a shawl himself like i like my last visible plays of him was him getting burned in the super bowl by tyree kill like yeah and i mean he probably shouldn't have been matched up on tyree kill anyways but <laughs> that's neither here nor there no exactly but um my big thing with the Saints is, though, you guys still do have a solid offensive line, which is going for you. We'll see what happens with Ruiz if he stays a guard or if he moves over to center. But I think it's still it would probably still be Easton at center. But then also, too, your guys are still going to have pass rush. So if you can get your corner situation figured out, I feel like you guys – I still have you guys pegged as a playoff team. Now, I don't mean to do this. I think Tampa will win the division, and everyone's just, like, riding them right now. But I think New Orleans is that team where – Look, there's going to be some games where you know you could have won, but they're not going to be this easy out all of a sudden now that Drew's gone. Oh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think uh, if you're not too clued in, some people might be riding off the Saints already. I think we're probably going to end up with a record of 9-8. and eight. I'm still getting used to the new records with the added hey, 17th game. Don't sweat it. Everybody here, including yourself, a valid, a valid member of the YWC football talk community. We are still getting used to it every single podcast. Yeah, it's 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 really weird to think about, and not saying like nine and seven or seven and nine. I'm so used to hear, saying those numbers, so I have to stop myself before I say it. But right now, I have them booked at like a nine and eight spot, probably getting into the playoffs at the seventh seed or the sixth seed. So I do agree with you that the Buccaneers are probably going to win the division. Their team is pretty is pretty stacked from top to bottom. And, I mean, our team was very stacked from top to bottom last year, but I think our depth is what hurts us this year because, I mean, we had so many departures. Like, for instance, looking on the defensive tackle side of things, Sheldon Rankins is gone, and so is uh, Malcolm Ro- Malcolm Brown, I'm sorry. Um, that, that does hurt our run defense, and for a long time our run defense was, like, one of our biggest MOs for this defense. And I think that's – a sneaky thing that's going to hurt us because we didn't really get a replacement there. We're just going to um, kind of go with the guys we, ha- we have. I mean, David Onyemata is great. Shout out David Onyemata. Shout out Canada there. He's he's great. He, he turned out really good. And, I mean, Sheldon Rankins was the guy that we spent the first round pick on, and it didn't pan out. And, thankfully, we had Onyemata as the project, and he worked out. But it's, it's definitely a question mark there at defensive tackle alongside with corner. Um, I feel like our safety positions still like our secondary would be really solid if I wasn't worried about second corner because Chauncey Gardner Johnson is an amazing nickel guy, really good safety nickel. Um, Malcolm Jenkins is still really good for his age. 
Marcus Williams is one of the best free safeties in the league, I believe. And Marshawn Lattimore is still Marshawn Lattimore. He can be inconsistent at times, but he's still a great cornerback when he needs to show it. And then that second linebacker spot, like I was uh, uh, alluding to, that's been the problem on this defense for a while. And if we could ever solve that, that would definitely help a lot. So, I mean, if somehow these two guys, Adebo and Werner, can pan out at linebacker and second corner, then I think our defense will be fine. But banking on that's kind of hard to think about. But it's just what happens when you when you're such a good team, and the cap kind of works against you, and you have to cut corners in some places. They were already showing a projected cap for next year. I'm gonna, I, I saw a brief. I think it was on TikTok or Instagram, one of the two. But I know you guys aren't exactly in as deep of like deep of a hole as people think. But even, too, with the salary cap, I love it how people are already, like, taking this year's and being like, oh, it's going to be bad next year. The salary cap's going to be fine going forward for the NFL. Like, the, there's a very good chance that it gets to $200 million, especially once this TV money kicks into the league. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of that, – that's one reason – it's going to be good to see it go back up. But that's one reason why it hurts so many teams this year because – Everyone pretty much predicates their their cap no, or their contracts based on the cap going up every year. That's why you see all these players start off at lower cap figures and gradually rise because all the GMs are like, oh, well, the cap's going to rise anyway, so might as well just push it to that year because the percentage on the numbers will be better at that time. So that, that's kind of that's kind of why it hurts so many people because. It's just something you couldn't predict—a huge virus just breaking out and just killing the cap numbers. Um, it's it's just it just sucks because like I mean for instance the Saints could have kept someone like an Emmanuel Sanders maybe on the team for another year if this didn't happen or maybe keep Janoris Jenkins where we don't have to worry about the second corner for another year or so uh, I mean it, it's just unfortunate it had to happen this way exactly I'm just I'm just looking at this right now as per overthecap.com you guys already going into the next year are at two million, which is near the bottom. But there's a lot of teams that are in the negatives and some good ones. Like the Dallas Cowboys are minus thirteen, and the Packers are projected to be at minus twenty one. So you guys sitting at two, it still sucks, but it means like, look, you're gonna have a lot more wiggle room to work with. So I remember going into this year, even the offseason, everyone was saying, "Oh, the Saints are gonna go sixteen and zero," and I'm like, "What the Cowboys are doing is fucking work," and he did it. Like he got you guys from, um, I think it was like sixty nine. Nice million to like two million. That's like negative sixty nine. Like Jesus Christ, Mickey, work your fucking magic, buddy. Yeah, I mean it was a lot, and I mean we did lose a lot of people. We didn't lose any of the core guys. Like there's there's a couple of core guys when I when I talk about the team that they're at the core of the young uh, of the young core of our team, and that includes Ryan Ramchek, Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara. Those four guys are so important because they're so good. And, I mean, we tagged Marcus Williams, of course, which I'm surprised we did. I did not see that coming, uh, tagging him. And, I mean, that, that there's definitely cap shenanigans that had to go on to be able to swing that because I really thought we were going to re-sign Ramshek and Lattimore to deals by now. But um, if you think about it this way, if you try to predicate – your whole entire team situation cap number on you having to agree to a deal with a player that kind of puts all the chips in the players uh, table because they're they're They can be like, Oh, well you need me to sign this. So that way you can keep this guy and that way you can get your cap number to where you need it to be. So 
I'm glad that they kept their leverage because, like, for instance, Marshawn Lattimore this offseason, he might have cost himself a little bit of money because he got into a little bit of legal trouble. So uh, it's probably better to keep the chips in your own table so that way you can save yourself a little bit of money in the end. That was like the Tennessee Titans, too. They, um, what's it called? The Titans fucking, uh, what did the Titans do? They, like, drafted a kid out of Pittsburgh where he was, like, arrested for alleged DUI or, like, an assault or something like that. Like, I feel like the second you're getting scouted for the draft or if you're in a contract year, lay low. Don't do anything stupid. Like, we almost saw what the hell almost happened with Aaron Donald at that Pittsburgh nightclub where someone got him, like, him mixed up with someone else and the guy was, like, got the beating shit out of him. Like, these guys, like, for as cool as it is to be in the public spotlight, they gotta lay low, man. Oh yeah, I would hate to be in the public spotlight. Like I'm, I'm very antisocial when it comes to being, uh, when it comes to things. So if I was in the spotlight, like all these players are, I would hate it because it's just not my mo. But uh, I mean, it, it definitely comes with the territory. When you're gonna be a superstar NFL player, you gotta know this, 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 this stuff's gonna happen. And you got to know that any of your actions can cost you money. And I mean, it sucks to think about it like that. But I mean, you're a brand when you're a player like this. And you got to you always got to think in a business mentality and protect your brand and no matter what cost. Exactly. Um, But the big thing for this year, though, for you guys is I think Ramchek's going to be the priority for long term, if anything, maybe next year. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens with Marcus Williams. I think Marshawn Lattimore at this rate probably franchise, maybe a franchise tag, or he signs a deal for less, but depending on performance. But I still think if it's anybody who is getting locked up, it's, I think, Ramchek's getting the money because you got to pay your blindside blocker. I agree wholeheartedly. And, I mean, the Saints have two of the best tackles in the league with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. These guys are amazing. Um I'm so glad we got Ramshack, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure your Patriots helped us draft him. I think we drafted him with the Brandon Cooks pick that we got in that trade. I want to say I'm not. I think it may have been. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm going to check on that myself. But I mean, he is definitely the guy that I definitely need to see the Saints uh, keep um, because he's just so vital, and always having your tackle. Uh, wrapped up is very important no you know what i we learned that the hard way like look a lot of teams do like we saw what the raiders are going through right now where they lost basically their whole offensive line where we effectively took trent brown back for peanuts like if you build a good foundation and also to if you make your offensive linemen your core pieces it goes a long way to helping your franchise but that's just that's just one thing i wanted to add with that but Overall, with the Saints draft, were you happy? Were you, like, okay with it? Or were you a little pissed? Like, did you think they didn't do the best job? Um, To be honest, I'm not very happy with it. But I will say this. Um, it's kind of hard to doubt this scouting department when over the past couple of years, um, I want to... S- I'm not 100% sure on the numbers. I probably need to look them up just so I can be 100% factually accurate. But I'm just going to go based on what I've heard so far. Um, The Saints with draft hit rate, they are at the top of the league at like 58%. 
Um, so when you're at the top of the league, you can't really discredit it too much. But um, initial impressions are that I am not particularly excited about the draft. Um, because in a perfect world, I would have liked them to draft corner, linebacker, defensive line in that order. Um, but I mean, it didn't plan out that way just because all the corners got taken before we could get to get to one in the first round. But we did draft based on needs, which was important. Um, I do think one of my more favorite picks is actually the offensive tackle we took out of Kentucky. His name escapes me, unfortunately, at the moment. But uh, he's going to be very versatile. He can slot in at different spots um, on the line, which is very important, especially when you have a guy like Teron Armstead who could get hurt, especially when we had the fact that Eric McCoy and Cesar Ruiz are still trying to get used to their – or trying to figure out what we're doing with them because, I mean, at first the thing was, oh, we're going to put Cesar Ruiz at center, have Eric McCoy play guard. And it didn't turn out that way. And I have a train going on in the background, unfortunately. So I hope that's not picking up too much. That's um, all good. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a very important pick. I just heard the train go through now. Choo-choo. As he yes. muted his microphone. Uh, I'm trying to load up the Saints thing to get the name of that offensive lineman out of Kentucky just because it was for my own sake. And also, just, I, I, for some reason... The rest of your receiving core is escaping me. Like, if behind Michael Thomas, obviously, if it's still, is Traquan Smith now going to be moving him to more of the wide receiver two role, or is there someone else you can see? His name's Landon Young, by the way, offensive tackle out of Kentucky. And, um, I mean, right now, you'd have to project Traquan Smith to be the number two. Um, he was pretty much the number two guy before Emmanuel Sanders came in last year. And uh, I'm hoping to see him make strides with a quarterback like Jameis because the past couple of years, Drew Brees has not had the deep ball in his arsenal. And that's definitely something that Traquan Smith could benefit from. Um, I'm also hoping to see a little bit more of a rise out of Deontay Harris, our kick returner or our pro bowl, all pro kick returner from a year ago. The train's getting louder. I'm probably going to go on mute for a second. <laughs> all good. As he goes on mute, just to get his train out. Yeah. Landon Young, but also they brought in, Quan Baker from uh, South Alabama. So if they want to move Harris into that, uh, move Harris into more of the receiving role, be your wide receiver three or even your slot guy, and then Baker, I guess, can return. You got to get Baker to return punts and stuff. But even to, like, the Saints, like, even to, I'm just going to look at their roster quickly for a second as I got it here. Uh, Ian Book's going to wear number 16. Also, I did not realize they brought in Trevor Simeon. Uh, just trying to think here. I can't find him. What in the heck happened to that? Uh, they had a really good uh, fullback last year. His name's blanking me as I try to go to the page because Michael Burton. Know your people. Oh, uh, Michael Burton. Yes, he's still with the team, or he? Uh... Oh, I Matt's think... on mute again. I-, I think he went away. Let me look this up. Final roster. Michael Burton. Yeah, he's on the Chiefs now. Oh, well, oh, oh! I guess he's they had to replace Anthony Sherman. Yeah, we signed the guy that we signed a fullback that was with the Panthers this offseason, I do remember. Yes, uh Alexander Arma. Yes, that's the guy. Yeah, because even now you got and you also have Sutton Smith too, but uh most of your guys' numbers are up like uh even to the, like it's gonna be interesting to see how guys like uh 
Marquez, if Marquez Callaway can get in the lineup and even, uh, I feel like tight end, you guys, uh, Troutman, I think could have that second year bounce where he just keeps being more and more productive in the past game. But Vanette's another one that interests me because I feel like he's going to be good for the run game. Yes. I mean, I, I would like to talk about him actually. Go ahead. Um, in terms of fantasy purposes, if you're looking at the Saints, um, there's definitely a lot of opportunity for Adam Troutman because Jared Cook is gone. Josh Hill is gone. So he is definitely the guy at tight end, no doubt about it. Um, and I know they're excited about him, and he's shown flashes of good plays. Now, if he can put it all together in year two, that remains to be seen. We'll have to wait and see because he's going to be the guy. And the fact that... Outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, a lot of other guys are question marks as far as offensive weapons are concerned. And so Adam Troutman could be the number two de facto, actually, or number three, technically, if you want to put him behind Alvin Kamara, um, in terms of who the ball is going to go to. Because we know Jameis likes his tight ends. So that could definitely be something to look out for if you want a sleeper late round tight end, which um, I'm not a fan of doing, honestly. But um, I, ha- I have Adam Troutman and a couple dynasty rosters sitting on my taxi squad, so I'm hoping it can pan out for me. Well, I mean, if you want to, uh, if you want, what's it called? With Troutman, if you want to get him as like, your tight end two, that's not the worst thing in the world to have on your bench. But obviously, like, your go-tos for tight end this year, for me especially, is going to be, like, Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Waller, uh, even even someone like TJ Hawkinson or Noah. Well, I would love to take Noah Fan. It's just, if you guys don't know by now, I am not a uh, Drew Locke fan. So, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, watch uh, them trade for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd definitely be an interesting story because, I mean, the Broncos have turned out to be the place that these great quarterbacks want to go before they end up retiring and going into the next place. Uh, he can be, he can follow in the footsteps of John Elway and Peyton Manning and try and go win a Super Bowl, uh, which I think would be very difficult de- depending on the, divi- since you're in that division with Patrick Mahomes. Um, but it, it's definitely Herbert. an interesting story. Oh yeah. And Herbert, I mean, that's just a really good division and, and, and all because I mean, the chargers, I think they had a really good draft, so they just added to what they got going on there. Your your division as a whole, though, intrigues me this year because, like, I feel like Atlanta is such a weird team where I feel like they could either go four and thirteen or they could surprise people and end up finishing like nine and eight. Like, I feel like for Atlanta, there's no middle ground. They're either going to be like that average playoff pusher or they're going to suck again. Like, I just don't know. And then Carolina is the same thing. It was like, they're building something, but we don't know what Sam Darnold's going to be. I think people may have unrealistic at Ryan Tannehill-esque at expectations for him. I re- I got to talk to, I, I got Big Rat and Danny coming on here Wednesday, and I got to get their minds on that because obviously they know both tales of that coin. But your division as a whole is just very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to having a guard, having to see our linebacker or safety guard Kyle Pitts on a on a uh, year-to-year basis, two games a year. That's definitely something I'm not looking forward to. But, I mean, the Falcons are definitely a question mark. Um, You definitely never really know what they're going to be. The Panthers are trying to build towards something, and, I mean, I'm not sold on Sam Darnold quite yet, 
But, I mean, to be fair, there are a lot of options there for him to go to. I mean, you got DJ Moore. They drafted Terrace Marshall out of LSU. They got uh, Curtis Samuels no longer there. Robbie Anderson, of course. Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold connection there. And, of course, CMC there. So, definitely some options there for him. So, I don't really think he should have any excuses in the weapons department. Um, and of course you have the Buccaneers, which are a really complete team in the league. So, I mean, it's definitely something to watch out for. And I mean, the Panthers, they did draft one of my favorite players in the, uh, in the draft, JC Horn. I really liked him and I really wanted, <laughs> would have loved People to have wanted him. him for the nostalgia purposes. You could say it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's cool that he's Joe Horn's son. It would have been great to see him on the team because of that. And then I feel like they also kind of sniped another guy from his Terrace Marshall. I feel like the Saints might have thought about getting him since all the corners would have were gone at that point and getting an LSU guy at wide receiver. Although I feel like they don't really see wide receiver as a huge need, which, I mean, I agree with that. But uh, it's just funny to see that because that's what all the Saints Twitter was kind of like. Oh, the Panthers are getting all these guys that we wish we could want because – we we didn't want to trade three first round picks to go and get JC Horn or get this LSU wide receiver, which all the Saints fans really want. Yeah, exactly. But like Carolina though, like I know New England was criticized for this last year for not tanking and then uh being in the top five and getting a quarterback, but they ended up getting one in fifteen. I feel like Carolina should have done that this past year. Like they obviously the Teddy thing didn't work out. Now they owe a bunch of money to him. I think they're paying him like seventeen million or something like that this year. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Panthers were a team where if you had started Will Greer and not brought in Teddy, you'd be they. There's a very good chance that Trey Lance or Zach Wilson is a Carolina Panther right now. Oh yeah, I mean I definitely agree because I mean Teddy, he's I love the guy, but he's he's a really premium backup. I think that's what he pretty much projects at at, at, at for his career at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, his ceiling doesn't present much. And, I mean, Sam Darnold's ceiling presents a lot more than what Teddy could show. Because, I mean, um, you could see Sam Darnold being the franchise guy for the Carolina Panthers. You never really know. Because, I mean, if you look at all these guys who have left Adam Gase, it's been positive. So, I assume it's going to be positive as long as they got Joe Brady there. I think that's a really good fit for him. And but I mean, I don't know how much how much longer Joe Brady's going to be there because I mean, if Sam Darnold does have a really good year this year, Joe Brady's definitely getting a head coaching job somewhere next year. Um, I'm going to say something right now. If Sam Darnold has a breakout year with the Carolina Panthers, Adam Gates should never be allowed to coach in the NFL ever again. Well, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even joking when I'm saying that. I am being legitimately serious. The fact that uh, he's not on an NFL coaching staff right now, I believe that's true, pretty much speaks volumes to that. Yeah, like, I remember when the Dolphins fired him, like, all right, cool, but then the Jets hired him. The Patriot fan of me was laughing hysterically because I knew it was going to backfire for the Jets, and Jet fans hated it, especially when he had that stupid press conference. But now, like, the, the I, I don't really want to talk Jets today, but I'm just going to say that. Like, look, Adam Gase, like, he got the Peyton Manning rub. Like, it's like what I like to say with the Denver Broncos. I'm fully convinced that John Elway purposely brings in mediocre quarterbacks so he could always be the greatest Bronco quarterback to ever play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with the Adam Gase thing uh, when the Jets hired him. It was the biggest head scratcher I've seen in a while in terms of uh, head coaching hires. Um. But yeah, I, I could I could see that uh, conspiracy theory with John Elway. Yeah, 
Well, just because if you look at his track record, bringing like Paxton Lynch and then like Brock Osweiler. Obviously, he had Manning, but like Manning was his like one strike. But then now he he's gone away. He's still like a top executive of the Broncos, but he's not the one making the football decisions, which I think may be for the better for the Broncos organization as a whole. Even though when I said the Aaron Rodgers thing, that's just because look, if there's a team in the NFL I've never really liked. It's the Denver Broncos. They've caused me heartbreak, playoff heartbreak in a few years, and then there's just there's a lot of times where they're always a thorn in the path side. So I just. There's the Denver Broncos as a team. Like I, I can't say why, but like, or I don't have like a valid reason of hate. Like they're not a division. It's just look from playoff passes and stuff. I just don't like them. Like how I know you guys aren't fond of the Seattle Seahawks. Oh man, I mean I understand the playoff uh, things, um, but to get into a segue there, um, I think uh, John Elway also brought in Peyton Manning so that way he could get rid of a certain quarterback that used to play for the Denver Broncos, and his name's Tim Tebow. Oh my god! Um, is, is 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 does Urban Meyer feel bad for him? Was like ESPN not paying him enough money? Like I'm I'm sorry, Urban Meyer has visibly pissed me off the last few weeks between <laughs> this stupidity and drafting Travis Etienne, and then admitting yeah. later, well, we wanted Kadarius Tony, but this, well, Urban, welcome to the NFL, like. I think for him, it's either going to work or it's going to burn up in Jacksonville's face, and he's gone in two years. Like, this signing is just, like, borderline laughable. And I saw a tweet about it today saying that if Tebow can play in the NFL at a tight end, there is no reason why Colin Kaepernick shouldn't be in the league. Now, I'm not going to get political, but you match two and two together, and you make a pretty good valid fucking point. I'm only saying the ETN thing, by the way, because it kills James Robinson's fantasy stock. Like, no one's going to want to draft him now. You may pick him up as, like, hey, to have in your flex or whatnot, but it's not as good as last year. Like, last year when he came in, it was this undrafted free agents who came came out of nowhere, and now all of a sudden it's just like, hey, yeah, we're going to have a running back by committee thing where it's like, um, Urban, you have a valid good running back in James Robinson, who was undrafted, by the way. Mm-hmm. So just, 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 just my two cents. I think the Tebow thing, it's, like, good for him, but I think it's just a silly experiment. And for all we know, he may not even make the roster. Like, it's not even official yet. Like, it's – officially unofficial but he may not make it out for training camp but while i get your thoughts on it i gotta look up what their tight end core is yeah i mean i know their tight end core is kind of questionable i can't think of their names off the top of my head honestly um i want to say maybe eifert might have been on the team but um no he got cut i i, okay. I got it right here if you don't mind okay yeah go uh, ahead james o'shaughnessy yeah uh chris manhurts ben Elf, Elfson, Tyler Davis, and then they drafted Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, which I like Luke Farrell. He was a fifth-round pick. He was good at Ohio State, but I don't know how to feel. And also, too, besides, besides Trevor Lawrence, they have a pretty mediocre quarterback room. They brought in uh, C.J. Beathard from San Francisco. But, yeah, their tight end room's a little sparse. Yeah, so that's why I guess they brought him in, because, I mean, look, um... As far as the Tebow thing goes, it's <laughs> I have funny memories of it because um, funny story. Um, I used to, me and my friends, we used to troll one of my teachers back in high school about Tim Tebow because he hated the guy, and it was just funny just to troll him about it. And so the day after T- Tebow won the uh, Pittsburgh game, we all walked in. And we were Tebowing, and he just hated it. And it was, like, the greatest thing ever, and it was hilarious. But um, trolling aside, I mean, 
it's uh, he should have moved a tight end a long time ago, to be honest. But he was so stuck on the fact that he wanted to play quarterback that he just couldn't get over it. And I mean, just looking at the guy throw pass in the NFL, of course, he did not pan out at that position. Um, it took injuries and all kinds of crazy stuff for him, him to be able to start. And one of the better defenses the NFL seen in quite a few years to even will him to the playoffs, of course, and get him that playoff win. Um, as far as this tight end experiment goes, I think if he would have transferred to a tight end a long time ago, it would have paid out better for his NFL career. But at this point, I don't know what it's going to do. But, I mean, the Jaguars are probably just going to be like, screw it, let's just take a shot at it and see see if it goes. And, I mean, they're probably not paying them a whole bunch of money anyways, so might as well, I guess. And Urban Meyer is probably doing him a solid. Um, exactly. pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're neighbors, actually, so that's interesting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. Um, it's just kind of throwing darts at a nail board, kind of like how I said with the Saints, the quarterback. Um, just saying what you got, especially because their tight end room, like you said, is so sparse. And also, too, I was looking at, while you were talking, I was looking at free agent tight ends remaining. Like, the list is not very crazy either. Like, uh, Trey Burton, Tyler Eifert, Jesse James, Richard Rogers, McCole Pruitt, Darren Fells, Josh Perkins, Demetrius Harris, and uh, Dion Yelder. Like, it's a very thin room. Like, Trey Burton's okay out of that list, and Jesse James was, like, reliable once in a while, but it's a very thin list. Like, even – what was I going to say? They could even go and trade for Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. I don't think the price would have been crazy for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely a move that they they should make, possibly. Go, go and get Zach Ertz. Why not? But because I mean, I'm pretty sure they want to transfer to Dallas Goddard at this point. Because I mean, you just I don't know. I, I don't really no know. No one what knows what the Eagles are doing. You can say it. Yeah, and I don't really know about Zach Ertz at this point in his career. But I mean, like you said, no one really knows quite what the Eagles are doing. Um, I'm interested to see what Devontae Smith does there, though. It's very interesting. Um, him and Hurts together. You talk to Markeem, he keeps on saying that they're going to suck, which I think Eagle fans are just kind of going into this year preparing for the worst. I don't think there's, like, any, like, hey, yeah, we may do this or that. No, I think they're just straight up admitting, like, yeah, we're probably going to suck in 2021. <laughs> yeah, might as well uh, um, tank, I guess, at that point. <laughs> Look for another quarterback, maybe. I don't know. Because I'm still not truly sold on Jalen Hurts. I got to wait and see. I got to see another year. I, I got to see a whole starting year from him before I pretty much cast my thoughts on him. Because we all saw what Drew Locke did. Everyone was like, oh my God, Drew Locke played good for eight, six games, whatever it was. And look at him now. He did that cute little Buzz Lightyear thing as well in the game against Houston. Do you remember that? Where he was like going down the sidelines and he was like doing the shooting the arrows out of his wrist? Yeah. He had that celebration in that game where I think. Denver just wiped the floor with the Houston-Texas, which pissed me off again because the week before the Patriots lost to Houston, and then Houston got their asses kicked by Denver. So I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing? That's another <laughs> news for another day. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about quickly, because I've not talked about a lot of this publicly, but the um, you know how there's a whole quarrel right now with the whole offseason workout stuff and then the players' unit, and then there was the Jawan James incident with his torn Achilles at a gym in Denver? Mm-hmm. Is there anything to, like, the Saints? Like, are they practicing or only some of them showing up to the facility? And, like, do you have any, like, before I go into my thoughts, like, what do you think about this whole holdout? Or not holdout, but, like, players not wanting to go work out at the facility right now? Um, I do believe the Saints players have announced that they're skipping the voluntary OTAs. 
so they're going to uh, miss out on it. And I think if you are a veteran player who's been in the league for a while and pretty much know what you're doing, especially if you've been on the team for a long time, like a Josh Hill kind of guy that's been on the team for like nine years and pretty much knows a playbook through and through, I really don't think it's necessary for some of those uh, more veteran type players to go. But I mean, if you're a rookie player coming into the league or a player just maybe on your second contract going to a new team, maybe you should probably incentivize going to those OTAs. Or maybe you're a player on you know, the last year of your deal and you want to go out and prove it, or a player on a one-year prove-it deal and you want to get the most out of what you can. I think for those kind of guys, you should probably go to those workouts and try to maximize the most amount of effort. Um, but, I mean, if it's a cons- if it's a consorted team effort to go and skip these workouts and maybe they go and get out get in workouts in some other places because you always see the quarterbacks go and work out with the wide receivers in some random place and like maybe like a San Diego or some kind of sunny area to kind of vacation and then get some workout in at the same time possibly. Um, but, yeah, I think it just really depends on the player that uh, who it really affects. Um, that's pretty much kind of my two cents on it. Uh, my, I agree with you in the sense of, look, if you're a player who's either in the last year of his deal, someone who's just scratching and clawing to make a roster, or you're on a second contract, yeah, go. But for there, I think there's only a very small percentage who can come out and speak out against this. If you have a guy who's, say, second or third on the depth chart, speaking out against this could potentially get you fired. And that's yeah. a very scary thing to think. But... For the guys who are, like, for Tom Brady, for example, coming out and saying, hey, don't go, don't do this. I'm like, okay, Tom, you can do that. Bruce Arians and Jason Light will not get rid of you for saying those comments. Blaine Gabbert comes out and says those comments. He's going to be in hot water, and people are going to be looking at him wrong. But for me, though, it just kind of irks me when you have, like, players speaking out against working when they literally signed up for this a year ago. Yeah. They knew what they were getting into. I know some people were pissed about the 17th game. I think Alvin Kamara was rumored to be one of them. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you look at your bank account and you see, look, you're going to be making more money. I know this year's going to be a little rough coming up because obviously everyone's coming off the pandemic. But um, I don't know how much boxing you watch, but there was a fight at AT&T Stadium on Saturday night with uh, Canelo Alvarez and I think Billy Joel San- Joel, uh, John or Joel Sanders. Um, AT&T Stadium, 73,000 people in AT&T Stadium. So I think we're leaning towards most NFL stadiums being packed this upcoming season. Like, cause obviously vaccine rollouts are going off. Matt and I were talking on air. He's already got his first dose. He's getting his second later this month. He said, I actually just got my first today. So for the NFL, for the players, look, greener pastures are ahead financially. And if you guys didn't sign that uh, CBA last year, Absolutely no way to these TV deals that just got done two months ago get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only other thing I'm going to add to that as well is you can thank Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones for that. I know Robert Kraft's my favorite owner, but those are the two men responsible for that. Because, look, $110 billion is a lot of fucking money. Oh, yeah. It's 
I mean, I would just like to see $1 billion in a room just to see what it's like. I don't even have to have any of it. I mean, of course, it'd be great to have some of it. But I mean, just even seeing what that even looks like materially would be crazy. But thinking about $110 billion, that is an exuberant amount of money. I love the wording on it, exuberant amount of money. Like, that's literally what it is. But like, look, the like the NFL, they, the other thing I'm going to say, too, is I feel like Every other league got sewered by COVID in the sense that it affected their season or they had to play a shortened, weird season. The NFL is the only league, really, where everything just kept going. Like, they didn't stop. Like, obviously, we know the NFL is a juggernaut and they don't slow down for anything. Hell, I'm going to quote Concussion here. They own a day of the week. Yeah, I mean... Like, I mean, if it, it, it feels like they were the they were pretty much the league that got hurt the least, and I mean, of course, they had their games that got pushed back and back and back. Like, shout out to the Steelers for kind of screwing that one up, <laughs> and uh, and the Titans. Um, it just kept kind of get pushed back and back and back, but eventually they had it. And I mean, not one game did not go through at least, even if they had to push back some games and mess around with the schedule there was still a complete nfl season and uh of course i vividly remember um the in the nba the thunder game that happened uh that pretty much started it all with rudy gobert that was pretty much the breaking point um being like wow this is really a real thing when uh the game had to be called off and that was definitely a huge moment and uh I mean, pretty much a year later, it's crazy to look back and reflect on the whole situation that was 2020 and the pandemic. And I think with these vaccines, it'll be a lot better. Um, I was listening to a Saints podcast the other day, and they were talking about, like, let's say a key player gets COVID. Imagine kind of the backlash that they're going to see on social media wondering why they didn't get a vac- or get vaccinated. Yeah, that because that's the other thing too. Going back to the whole PA holdouts, um, JC Treader, who's the, like the NFL, I think the biggest NFL rep for the Players Association, was citing COVID as a concern when every single news reporter that covers the NFL is just like, um, if you're so worried, go and get vaccinated. Like I know the NFL is going to make sure that all rookies at their respective facilities get the vaccine. Uh, I still think that. I wouldn't be shocked at the NFL this year. Like, I, it's going to be hard to police in the stance, but I still feel like until the masks are a thing of the past, I feel like in a lot of states who still require to wear it, obviously, I don't know what your situation is like, but I know, like, say, for example, how, like, Texas and Florida, basically any red state uh, has the mandate lifted. Yeah, I know Arizona's another one, here. too. I feel like a lot of still in the facility and on the sideline during games, coaches are going to have to wear them. Players, I think, may get relaxed, but I still feel like they'll make coaches wear it, even if it's a net gator. I still feel like they're going to do it to endorse that, because even I still watch a lot of those. I don't know why, but I like I, – sorry for the voice crack. I watch a lot of the just random like NFL teams, like their video series, like Detroit's is inside the den, Cardinals' is flight plan. Like I watch those. They're still doing contract tracing in the facility. They're still wearing masks and making sure, like, hey – you like get your temperature checked every day. Like that's still going to be a thing in a while for NFL facilities. Cause that's even the other thing too, with all this, a lot of these guys, I don't think they realize this. You're going to be safer at your team's facility. than say a planet fitness or an LA fitness or 24 hour fitness. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like these are going to literally take the, uh, 
they're going to take the right protocols and procedures and make sure everyone's good and healthy. That's what's going to happen. But this year, though, yeah, if you, I, I still feel like protocols, I think, are going to be less strict for players, but like the fully vaccinated ones. But I still feel like they're going to try to keep them on, like, not exactly a tight leash, but like, you know, when you let your dog have a little bit of leash room to like walk around with, like you're not holding it. I feel like there's going to be a little less restrictions on that part. Yeah, it's it's definitely getting to that point, and I, I do definitely see that it's going to be a majority of fans in the stadiums for sure, um, which is one thing I think about that just makes me so sad, the fact that Drew Brees had to play with nowhere near full-capacity stadiums in his last season. That just makes me so sad to think about, but uh, well, yeah, it's, it's definitely been an experience, and uh, I don't want to say we're really nearing the end of it, but you can definitely see light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly, and even to the fact that there's still four months to go until the season starts. Like, I believe it's May 10th today, so I'm going to say September 9th will probably be the first kickoff. There's We're under four months now, which feels so good to say, but there's still so far to go that the more and more states start not restrict the mask wearing because, look, I'm not an anti-masker. I wear your masks. I've been saying it ever since this pandemic hit. But the fact that more stuff is opening up you can go and freely do what you want. Like, I think on a college note, I feel like college stadiums will be filled because they'll do it no matter what. They don't care. Like, we saw like college stadiums more full than NFL stadiums this year. Mm-hmm. But for NFL stadiums, it's still going to be like, look, hey, we can pack the Caesars, because as, as of July, it's going to be the Caesars Superdome, which I kind of like better than Mercedes-Benz. But you're still going to have to wear your mask. Like, I think that's how New Orleans is going to... Like, I don't know what the state of Louisiana is like for that, but I think it's going to be, hey, yeah, fill 70,000 people, but everyone's got to be wearing their masks. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's it's definitely a crazy thing. And I don't know how um, some places would be like, oh, everyone should be vaccinated. Because, I mean, I know the NFL had something they designated as, like, uh, in the draft, they had, like, vaccinated fans, quote-unquote. But, uh... Looking on TikTok, I know of one instance where one fan was not vaccinated. So, I mean, I'm sure that was not very checked for it. Really, really, uh, really thoroughly checked out. So, I don't know how you're going to check that. I mean, are we supposed to carry our vaccine cards around with us everywhere? Or what's going to go on with that? Who knows? That I don't know. But the one thing that I do know is, um, what was I going to say? I had a brain fart. Um, the one thing that's just like saying, look, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we know that, look, most of these stadiums are going to be filled come the fall. Like, I honestly forgot what I was going to say, and I had to ad lib, like, in just in the moment. But, mm-hmm. it's like you said, greener pastures ahead, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yes, this is, I just remembered. And even though there was some fans who may not have been vaccinated who got in with the vaccinated fans, I didn't hear of any stories of any outbreaks coming from the NFL draft, which is phenomenal news to hear. Yeah, so if these events can go off without a hitch, I'm more confident that most stadiums will have. Even say if you get thirty to forty thousand fans in most of these stadiums, it's still going to be an impact. Like I feel like there's going to be some that are going to be full, but then there's going to be some that you know what? Hey, even if it's still fifty percent or sixty percent capacity, it's still great to see, and it's still going to be loud in all thirty-two stadiums. And I say that because as all thirty Major League Baseball teams. Asterisk next to the Blue Jays, just because obviously they're playing in the States right now because of the border restrictions between the United States and Canada. All Every single team in the States has fans in the stands. That's awesome. It is. Uh, but before we go, Matt, um, 
with the schedule coming out on Wednesday, if you had to pick not what you want, but what you think a realistic opponent for the Saints home opener is, what would you, or not even home opener, their week one matchup, do you think it'll be at home, on the road? And if it's at home, will they not exactly ring of honor him, but do you think Drew Brees will get a cert, like a ceremony pregame or at halftime? Uh, I don't know if it'll be the first game of the season that Drew Brees gets a little uh, mentioned, but I'm sure it'll be at some point. In terms of what could be our home opener, uh, I'm not sure. I'm probably going to say something like maybe at the Falcons or against the Falcons, go back to a division rivalry game, because we know the Buccaneers are going to be playing somebody um, week one, and it could be the Saints on that first uh, game of the season. Um, I, I also kind of could see it being the Patriots. That would be an interesting game to see, Patriots versus uh, Buccaneers in the first game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's what I'd probably have to go with. Maybe the Saints opening and the Dome against the Falcons. That's That's going to be my guess at it. I have one that I think would be pretty cool, and that is you guys versus the Dolphins in the Superdome week one, Monday night football. And hopefully it's a similar game to what we got two years ago against the Texans because that was a great game. The one where Will Lutz won it on his – well, I know it's probably not good for you because you're probably freaking out, but that was one hell of a game, the one where Will Lutz won it on his uh, foot right at the buzzer. That was a crazy game. Man, holy shit. Uh, that game was wild. I still remember that one very fondly. I'm so glad we won that because for a while there, during, before that game, we had troubles winning our first game, and that was just like, oh, my God, we're going to lose our first game again. But, uh, man, that brings back some memories on that one. <laughs> I bet it does. Um, another thing I'm going to say quickly because next time I'm on air is after the schedule comes out. I think for Thanksgiving, this is super random, but if I had to guess what it's going to be, I'm going to say – Detroit versus Minnesota, Dallas versus Vegas, and the Chargers versus the Chiefs, because I know they like to put a rivalry in there. But I think they could also do Steelers-Ravens again, just because they got duped last year, and also because they did Saints-Falcons two years in a row, so maybe they'll do Steelers-Ravens two years in a row. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, It'd be interesting to see, uh, like, if, if the Rams game wasn't away, that'd be cool to see if the the Rams versus the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. But because I mean, normally the Lions are like the home opener game where it's just like they're the opening match of the of the day where you're just like, eh, I'm not too 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 worried about the Lions game, so I'll just kind of have it on the background. But yeah, I, I could see those. Yeah, Thanksgiving football is always good. Like, I remember last year, I took, because obviously I'm Canadian, I took the day off work, and I think I'm taking the day off work every year for American Thanksgiving so I can stay home and watch football. Oh, yeah, great times. Exactly. Oh, well, anyway, folks, that's going to do it for us here, I think, uh, for episode 89 of YWC Football Talk. We covered some Saints draft. We covered a little bit of NFLPA talk and some other NFL Tim Tebow-related news. Um, I'm still trying to think of what a title for this uh Podcast will be, but I may just say who who dat draft recap. You'll see it in the description. But anyway, Matt, it's been a blast talking to you, man. Uh, we'll have to get you back on sometime soon. I uh, hope you had a good time tonight. Yes, sir. It's always good to be on YWC Football Talk. I love that energy, guys. As you know what, we are now only 10. After this, 10 episodes. We're done with the 80s, 90s. I'm going to be at 100 before you guys know it. Well, anyway, guys, that does it for today's YWC Football Talk. 
I'll see you back Wednesday night for the full schedule recap. We're going to be like Adam Rank, but without the outlandish takes. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.